As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along here on Monday with Austin Meek for some more Michigan football talk. Austin, it is getting worse. I don't know how else to say this, man. It is getting worse. Somehow, it is getting worse. Nick, I like to think of myself as being kind of the, you know, the level-headed, reasonable person. I, I try to look at both sides and see the nuance and, you know see things in you know in shades of yeah. gray and whatever there's no no shade of gray that you can put on that game that was just bad <laughs> just yeah, yeah. start That's to finish the, it was just awful best way to put it i think no nuance left uh in this situation as it sits today and 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 with jim harbaugh's tenure at michigan i think and, and you've come to know this there's a lot of nuance that often happens here and a lot of times that can get that can get sort of conflated with sort of narrative structuring that seems to absolve him of things. Uh, but in this case, there's none of that. This was a team for the third straight week that took a field that wasn't ready to play, um, that continued to look to its sideline for answers and continued to come up empty-handed. And, uh, you know, it got to a point, you know, in that game where, um, and it, it just the same way as it was in some parts of the Indiana game and even the Michigan State game, Austin, I think where, you know, and this is telling. I mean, you, you started to feel bad for the kids on the field because they were in situations that you knew that they just weren't going to have any answer, um, especially in the first half. The body language completely fell apart. And, you know, you hate to say, you know, you hate to point to effort and stuff with 18, 19-year-old kids and and just blanket it like that, like we would an NFL player. Um, but, you know, you, you look at that and you say, well, what goes into those sorts of things? And I think that, you know, the lack of, trust in the plan that is happening on the sideline seems to be permeating through just everything. And I, I don't know how else to look at that other than you you had guys that were defeated and they were defeated very early and tried to, you know, some of them stiff upper lifted as best they could, but a lot of them just, you know, you, that's the sign of a team that, I, I, you know, quit is not a word that I like to use because I don't think, you know, I think literal quitting means you've walked off the field, right? 
Uh, and I don't like to do that with players who, you know, put put helmets and shoulder pads on there and go out there and, and hit for four quarters because I don't think anybody who plays the full game quits. But they were defeated and they didn't have an answer. And it was very, very early. And that is the telltale sign of a team that is going absolutely nowhere. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, they're stuck and going backward pretty fast and uh, not not much by way of answers from anybody in the program right now. I know for myself, there have been many times this year since we started doing all of this that yep. I have had to ask myself, like, you know, what are we doing here? I mean, seriously, we're, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the Big Ten wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. Now we're playing football. We're halfway through the year. It's a weird year for everybody. You know, all around the country, we're seeing games canceled. We're seeing teams having to shut down because of outbreaks. So I can only imagine that if if you're a player on a team like Michigan where things are going south, there has to be that thought at some point of, you know, what what are we doing here? Like what's yeah. our you know, what's our motivation for this? What's what's getting us out of bed every morning to get on that field? And you know, there are teams that you know, are, are contending. And if you're Ohio state, you know, you've got that answer. You know what you're playing for. You've got a chance to win a national championship and you're going to you know do everything in your power to get up every single day and work toward that goal. And Michigan is in a, in a place now where I would imagine that guys are looking around and being like, Hey, we're, we're one in three. Things are not going well. We don't really have all, you know, all the big goals that, that we have for our season, most of them are off the table now. Um, and, you know, you in those situations, you look to the very top for answers. And right now, it just doesn't feel like Jim Harbaugh has an answer. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was notable that up until Saturday, he had been, you know, sticking pretty close to a pretty familiar refrain about how the team looks good in practice. He has confidence in his players. Yep. Feels like they're really close to putting it all together. And I, you know, you you know when he's saying that that it's you know he's speaking optimistically. He's not speaking realistically. He's not going to come out there and you know just say his team stinks. If you're waiting for Jim Harbaugh to do that, he's not right. going to do it. <laughs> right. But I did think it was notable that after that game, he was about as unvarnished as as he gets i mean honestly nick it reminded me of listening to him after that wisconsin game last year that's really the only other time i've heard him say in such stark terms that hey things are not where we need to be this program is not in a good place we got to get it fixed and it's got to start with me yeah, I think Harbaugh's proven over the years to be a guy that if there's a way to frame something in a positive light that that allows him to, you know, maybe ignore a bunch of other stuff that he obviously knows needs to be fixed in a public setting, then he's going to take it. But the, like you nailed it because the, the two games in the Ohio State debacles really were the only, are the other ones. I mean, they got blown out there in 15, blown out in 18, blown out again last year. Those are the only ones that I can think back on and say, well, those are the only times really where he's just looked up and said, look, guys, we just got our asses kicked. Like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it was a complete meltdown in every single scenario, situation, whatever else. And obviously that's what you saw because there's just nothing else to uh, there's nothing else to grab onto. I mean, it was it was one of those things. But I think at, at the end of the day here, it, it's, it goes back to um, a process situation that is happening – that we frankly just don't, you and I, and no one in the media has an answer to because we're not allowed to see anything that Michigan does 
on a day-to-day, you know, minute-by-minute basis, obviously. But it's it's the same scenario that that's popped up in different years. But in other years, Harbaugh's had players that have been good enough and tough enough mentally to sort of stop it, to put mm-hmm. a stop to the slide. Like, I can remember vividly, and I've never forgotten this, um, in 2016, when they, the best team he's had and the best team Michigan's had in probably 20 years, uh, or at least one of the best, anyway, um, they lost that game at Iowa where Wilton Spate separated his shoulder. It was at night, and Iowa wasn't great, but Michigan was like number two. It cost them a chance to play off. You know, if they win that game, everything in this tenure might look different, all that sort of thing, right? It was a flashpoint game. And he goes in after the game, and, you know, they rush the field at Iowa the whole shot, and we barely got into the press conference after in time, and he's, you know, given the one-word answers and everything. And at one point, he just kind of said, look, you know, uh, it's up to the, you know, these guys at some point have got to learn, I'm paraphrasing now, but at some point they've got to learn that, you know, you've got to be able to make things go your way during a game. That's what players have to learn. you got to make things go your way. You, it doesn't always work the way you've scripted it out to. In a game, something's going to happen. You've got to be able to, as a player, look within yourself to turn that back. And I remember thinking that day, even with that team that was loaded with veterans, well, isn't it your job as a college football coach to install confidence or an ability to get those players into a situation where their confidence is so good that they're not that they're not going to get knocked off kilter to a point where they can't recover? Like that's in the NFL, that's an answer. In college, mm-hmm. it's not an answer. And in that season, although it didn't end the way Michigan wanted to, that team competed the rest of the way because they were good enough to do it. In 2017, they had guys that were good enough to hold the rope. In 18, same thing. And now the recruiting has died off, and that answer is gone. These are college players. They're not professionals, and you have to have a level of trust with them on a really granular level that, I'm sorry, I don't know how you argue that that's the case here right now. And that's the biggest thing that if, if we can just, we're speculating because we don't know. But from, from our vantage point, looking outside in, that's what this looks like. It looks like a team that doesn't trust its plan. And which in turn means that it doesn't trust what Jim Harp was telling them at the top. And I don't, that's a bad thing for a college team. And, you know, it'll be up to him to, to prove otherwise uh, very quickly here because that can spiral, as we all know, uh, very fast as it has. And, and just, it can get worse, believe it or not, as we said at the beginning here. Yeah, that's the biggest problem right now is it's going backwards. Every yeah. week has been a regression. I mean, week one to week two, week two to week three, week three to week four, they've gotten worse every single week and and even the things that you felt okay about two weeks yeah. ago now all of a sudden those those are problems too uh i mean starting with the quarterback position and look i i wrote it a week ago after that indiana game that hey th- things are not looking good right now but at least joe milton right. is somebody to be excited about yeah and now all of a sudden you can't even say that and, and look right. i i was surprised after i wrote that a week ago how many fans responded uh, with a lot of skepticism about whether Joe Milton was was the long-term answer right. at quarterback. And I think some of that maybe was just the frustration in the moment that we're one and two and we just lost to Indiana and I don't want to hear anything good about any of our players. Right. But I have to say, you know, some of that at least has been vindicated because Joe Milton was not good on Saturday. There's no way to... No way to spin that otherwise. I thought he was pretty good the first three weeks. He was not good on Saturday. You know, the first interception, he throws a ball to Nick Eubanks that should have been caught, bounces off his hands. Right. It's an interception. Things just snowballed down from there. You know, the the second interception was one of those passes that 
you know, shouldn't he shouldn't have thrown it. Maybe it's a throw that because Joe Milton can throw it 100 miles an hour, maybe he thought he could get it past that guy. I don't know. Bad interception. Uh, Cade McNamara comes in in the third quarter and you know comes out with his pants on fire and leads a touchdown yeah. drive. I don't know what that means for the future. I don't. I don't know what to make of anything right now, other than you know, even the things that you thought you could feel okay about. All of a sudden, I I'm not sure there's anything really that you can hang your hat on right now. Yeah, and you let me just say to start here with Milton. I mean, you were correct, uh, and I think that your you know your eye was not lying to you when you said that you know after those first three weeks and you wrote what you wrote because I wrote similar and I still believe it. I mean, I think Joe Milton's got a very high ceiling, uh, but at the same time, I think we all knew going into this that the the risk with that was that you know the confidence it was there in word form only. It just it you can say and talk. And tell yourself and tell other people and have former players talk about you too and say all the we've done this a thousand times over the years with these players. You can tell everyone this guy is great. If he doesn't believe it completely and truly that you're gonna have an answer for him the minute something goes the other way, or you're not gonna be able to, or you know, it doesn't matter. Like the ceiling is gone. And so what we see in this game, and we've seen it in every game Milton's played, there have been stretches where he looks like he knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And then something will go haywire, and then his confidence will go, and then it'll fade. And in a game like this against Wisconsin, the first play of the game turns into an interception. And what happens on the very next time he drops back? He throws it right to a Wisconsin linebacker, like right in his chest, because his confidence is gone. And now he looks at the sideline and he says, well, that's it. I don't know what we're going to do because we don't have, you know, they don't have that. They don't have that sideline to player whatever that you need to be able to, to grind through adversity and their roster just isn't at a point in terms of depth where they can rely or lean on anybody that can come in there and say, I've been through it, guys. I've done it. I know how to do this. I know how to get out of this. I can, you know, look at me, help, you know, follow me. The closest thing to that would be somebody like Carlo Kemp, who, and, you know, Carlo Kemp's a you know, great kid and uh, works his butt off and all this stuff. But he was on that 16. He didn't play on that 16 team. Not really. I mean, he was on the team, but he didn't really play. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like... Eubanks would be another one, but I mean, he's struggling too. So there's guys like, there, there's just, it's a combination of a lot of things. But at the end of the day, the, the thread that runs through the whole thing that's so challenging is your program is being run in a way that the details, I mean, you can say all these things, but they're clearly not being stressed enough. I mean, at, at a detail level of, you know, this is what, you know, X, Y, Z, and, and maybe that part of that's the pandemic uh, that's that's made every all these mistakes sort of magnify but when we look around and we say, well, Wisconsin just got out there with 20 days off, couldn't play a game, couldn't practice for all we know for stretches of that, but they run their program in a way to where they knew that when they went out on the field, this is how this was going to go. And if certain things were taken away, this is what we were going to do to respond. Michigan doesn't do that at all. And that's why it trickles down. I mean, you feel bad for a kid like Joe Milton. I, I wouldn't give up on somebody like Joe Milton. And obviously, if you're hardball, you've got to look at all options here, including McNamara, but you know, it's part of the product of the situation that you're playing under. I mean, there's just not a lot of confidence happening here. And guys that have never done this before aren't just going to magically have it, you know, like they're, you know, you know, once in a lifetime guy just dropped out of the sky onto your head to save you. They just don't have anybody that can do that. And this is what you're seeing as a result. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. 
That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nick, these last two games against Wisconsin, Wisconsin has outscored Michigan, I believe, 84-25, to and the rushing yards. 700 rushing yards for Wisconsin in two games, yeah. 87 for Michigan. And it's just like you, you watch Wisconsin play and you're like, that is a program that knows exactly what they want to be, exactly who they are, exactly what their identity is. Mm-hmm. They have a system. They recruit to it. They know how to identify players who who fit what they want to do. They know that if a guy has come up in their system, then when it's his time, he's going to be ready to go. You know, they, they replace players and they don't really miss a beat. I mean, that's, that's what Michigan wants to be. And it's just, it's been glaring in these last two, these last two years, these two games against Wisconsin. It's just, there's one team out there that really knows what they want to be. And there's another team out there that's six years into Jim Arbaugh's tenure and still, still hasn't figured it out. You know, we still, we don't know, you know, this far into Jim Arbaugh's time at Michigan, we just, we still don't know what they really want to be. And Nick, I mean, I, you know, you've, you've seen this whole trajectory with this program from, from before Harbaugh to where we are now. Is this, is this back to where it was before Harbaugh? I mean, have they, have they hit that low uh, or, or is there still, you know, can we st- at least say, well, you know, they're bad, but, but they're not right. as bad as they were. That's a great question. Um, because there's two parts to that. I think when you look at what's happening on the field, uh, in terms of that lack of player certainty, uh, when you look around and you see guys that are looking to each other and just don't have any answers and they're looking to the sideline and don't have any answers. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of those guys over the years that played on the 14 team that were here when Brady left and, or was fired. And then, a lot of those guys, those same guys stayed and were here, you know, the next winter. And the biggest thing, it Carball gave them confidence. When he came in here, he gave them he gave them confidence. He gave them assurance that they were here for a reason. He gave them a plan. He gave them something that they, you know, this is what we're gonna do, hell or high water. I just was coaching the Super Bowl two years ago, right? Like, I mean, there's confidence there that when you watch the guys at the end of the Hope tenure, that's what it felt like. Saturday's game against Wisconsin was that's what it looked like to me. So in that sense, yes, that's where that's where that was when when I remember back to watching like Michigan's games against like Utah that year where they were just miserable. Um, Minnesota was even worse. They lost to Rutgers on the road that year. Um, you know Maryland at home in a game that you know they should have won, but you know four or five things or two or three things don't go your way, and then everything just falls apart and they don't know how to hold it together. They did a lot of that, right? Where they would start out well and then one thing would happen and they would just collapse. So that's what this looks like. I mean, in, in a lot of ways. So in that sense, in terms of player confidence in what the plan is, I would say, yeah, you're that's where you're at. Now, in terms of the grander scale of things, that's where this gets more difficult because, you know, where are you as a program? Uh, with Brady Hoke, it was, you know, so you, you, you go back even further. Go back to the Rich Rod. You, you, Lloyd Carr retires. You go and change everything. So you go from running one system to changing everything completely in one year. And obviously that's going to be a transition. So you go three and eight. 
five and seven, seven and five. They fire Richrod as he's kind of maybe moving up toward what w- would have been maybe his best team. Did they fire him a year too early? Maybe they did. I don't know. Look back on that. Brady comes in. It's eleven and two, eight and five, seven and six, five and seven. Four years of you know every year got literally worse on the record sheet. So this has been ten and two, ten and two, eight and four, uh, ten and two. Nine and three, eight and four, whatever it was last year. So it's been start and stop, start and stop, but it hasn't completely fallen off the off the grade here in terms of consistent losing records. So that's the question, right? Is it? I don't think that it's at that place that it was at where Brady was here, where it was where it's so unsalvageable. Now, if they lose like their entire recruiting class and nobody stays committed and whatever, you could argue that's where you're at. The bigger question here, though, should be Austin, and this is one I'd like your opinion on. It shouldn't be necessarily about where the trajectory has been through six years. It has been about the fact that it's the same after six years and probably getting gradually worse. And it looks like it might now start to begin that really weird downturn. So do you want to make a change before that inevitably happens? Or do you not think that's inevitable? And that's the question that Michigan has to ask itself right now uh, in the coming weeks. And I'd like to, you know, the same question to you. I would, I would, you know, your, your thoughts looking on it. From that side, you know, because it's it's kind of a it's kind of like two or three things in the air that you're juggling here when you look at these things. Yeah, I thought back the other night uh, to just you know just a little more than a year ago, a night very similar to Saturday night. You know, under the lights, rainy, cold. Michigan's playing Notre Dame, and the conditions yeah. are terrible. And Michigan says, you know what, we're gonna run it down Notre Dame's throat, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. And you know Michigan did it, and that you know those types of games with Jim Harbaugh, I think that was the saving grace. You know that w- when things were not great with Jim Harbaugh, you could always say, "Yeah, you know," but his teams they come through at certain times that make all of all of this worthwhile. You know, and I just it's really hard for me to see Michigan getting back to that point with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, you know I it. Right now, as we sit here today, uh, if you ask me if if Michigan will get back to that point where, where they're playing at the level that they were even a year ago, you know, even a year ago, mm-hmm. I would say I don't see it. Uh, so that's when I think you have to say, what you know, what really do we gain by you know, continuing to, you know, pound your head against the wall in a way? Uh, yeah. You know, I think if you're a Michigan fan who feels like it's time to just pull the bandaid off with Jim Harbaugh, I think your fear is probably that, look, Michigan plays Rutgers this week, winless Penn State after yes. Thanksgiving. What they the get Maryland. There? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about teams that are not Jesus. feeling good right now. Yeah. Uh, then they get Maryland at home. So if you win your next three, finish with Ohio State, you lose to Ohio State, play you know, Purdue or Nebraska or whoever they have in that crossover game with the West – you somehow finish the season five and four, and then you say, "Well, you know, let's let's do a two-year contract extension because we don't really believe that this is working, but we're not quite ready to yeah. just pull the bandaid off." I think if you're a Michigan fan who you know feels like this has run its course, that's probably your fear. Yeah. Uh, for me, as I sit here right now, you know, in a way. If you're Michigan and and you really look at this strategically, Jim Harbaugh's got one year left on his deal. We all know that. In terms of 
the price that you pay to make a coaching change, it's really not that expensive. You know, you look at what South Carolina is going to pay Will Muschamp because he got an extension. I mean, that's what happens. These coaches get extensions, and it's that second contract that really comes back to bite you if you have to make a change. Michigan's not there right now with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, So that's a factor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to be a weird year with the coaching carousel. A lot of schools who are on the fence may not make changes this year because of the financial situation with the pandemic. So, you know, if, if you're a school that's in a position to make a change, you actually could have some leverage there because there's probably not going to be a lot of movement and there's probably not going to be a lot of schools in position to give raises yes. and contract extensions this cycle. So if you're a school that has an attractive job and you have the resources to do it, those are the things I think Ward Manuel's got to be thinking about right now yeah. is what is our position in the marketplace? What's the end game here? Uh, you know, I Ward Manuel's not going to walk into Jim Harbaugh's office tomorrow and say, Jim, hand me your whistle. You're done. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> right. it's not yeah. going to happen. God, but I'd like to see that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's definitely time to be gaming out all of that stuff and thinking, okay, if, if we do go to the marketplace this year with our job, what's the environment going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, and I hate to always go back to this one person and give him credit for everything, but but Urban Meyer had a little line on the uh, <laughs> show that reminded me of something we were talking about on here last week and stuff that we've written that, you know, when we said Ward Manuel needs to do an evaluation of everything that's happening here. And if you watched, you know, Urban on the show this weekend, I think part of what he said was something along the lines of, you know, he's not about trying to blame a situation on talent, you know, lack of talent or whatever else. It's you have to, as a head coach, be able to, you know, open what he said, open the hood and really diagnose mm-hmm. and really yeah. be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Really, truly be like hard objective about everything you're doing. And it's not just what you're calling on third and six. It's what you're doing in your recruiting department on March 7th or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like it's every single detail that is happening inside your place. And if it is not razor focused, because we have seen, you know, we talk this all the time. People give us these things all the time. They say, you know, uh, well, you know, Bama and LSU always have these great players. I, they're, they're cheating, right? You know, and so-and-so has all these great players. They're cheating, right? You know, cheating, cheating. I'm not directly accusing anyone of cheating here, but we know cheating happens in college football, okay? But what we can also say, though, is that the teams that are consistently competitive at that level don't ever have days where it's not razor focused the whole year, the whole year, everything you do, you are paying Jim Harbaugh to run a program that runs like that in terms of efficiency. And I got to tell you, if you did a full on objective look inside the hood here and found no efficiency issues, I would say that Michigan has bigger uh, jobs that need to be filled because you're not, you're not going to be honest with yourself. There's no way he'd be able to look at this entire picture with a rational mind and say that, you know, yeah, we could be better here X, Y, and Z. They could be better in a lot of areas. In a lot of areas in terms of their development, I'm sure. You can't play like that and then tell us that everything is perfect, right? You can't. You can't go out there and say that everything you're doing on a minute-by-minute basis is the way that it needs to be because it's just not. And the pandemic obviously is going to magnify all of this, and I think that's what we're seeing here. But we said this in August. This season is going to show which coaching staffs have their shit together and which are telling you that they have their shit together. And right now, 
what are we, four games in? Michigan is in the ladder of the column of the coaching staffs that have, have been telling us that they have it together rather than the Indiana-Wisconsin variety who have been fully confident in knowing of their process and plan, and they just went out there and played. They just went out there and played. Michigan said in the summer, we're, give us two weeks, we'll be ready to play. Uh, no. They needed a lot more time than that. They needed a spring. They needed the full summer. They need a lot of work in a lot of areas. And it's not just about what you do week to week. It's got to be about every single day. These things that we hear from these these programs that run at these peak efficiency levels. I mean, obviously, talent is a huge factor. It's 90% of everything, right? But the, the last 10% is the hardest. And they just haven't been running at that type of efficiency. There's just no way you can argue otherwise. I mean, there's not. And while we don't know all these details because we don't see what happens in practice, I, I, I mean, it's been six years. I just don't know how they could make an argument, you know, paint it to us in any other way. And if you were honest with yourself in terms of your evaluation, I think you would probably see that. Uh, and if you didn't, you know, then, you know, I don't know what else to say. But I mean, at, at bottom minimum level, I would say some serious changes, no matter what you do here in terms of the head coach, would have to follow. I just don't know what all those would be. And I don't know how that all, how that would all go, like you said. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I watched that segment with Urban Meyer, and I thought it was interesting to hear him say, basically, that he never allowed his staff to say, we have a talent issue. Sure. Uh, and look, if anybody who's right, ever coached in the Big Ten understood <laughs> the importance of having talent, right. it was Ur- Urban Meyer. If, if you look at the way he built that program, I mean, they are a machine right. in acquiring talent. So, you know, he's not saying that, like, the talent is irrelevant, obviously. But, I, you know, I get what he was saying is basically that you have the team you have. Yes. Like, there's nothing you can do on the recruiting side to fix things if you're going out there on game day and... and you're getting your ass kicked, you know? So in Michigan's position, like there's nothing you can go back and do to change what you did in recruiting two or three years ago. You have the team you have right now. And look, Michigan's had some, you know, they've had some tough breaks. Uh, Nico Collins opted out. Ambry Thomas opted out. Aiden Hutchinson out for the year. One of your best players. Quiddy Pay didn't play. Jalen Mayfield didn't play. Yeah. I mean, you take all of your best players. Yeah. yeah, you take five of the best players off of any team in the Big Ten, you're going to struggle. So, you know, not an excuse, but a fact that Michigan is, you know, they're playing without some of their best guys. But still, you know, you look at you, know, you look at the team that they had on the field Saturday, and you just, you know, you have to ask, like, you know, what what went wrong because you know i mean they're playing shorthanded on the defensive line but still to see wisconsin just go up and down the field uh you know michigan should have 
the talent on this team to be able to be more competitive, even without the frontline players that, that weren't out there. And that to right. me is, is the part of it that, you know, if you want to say Jim Harbaugh, you know, his 2018 class, it wasn't good enough. The 2017 class, too many guys, too much attrition, totally valid. And I agree with, with all of that. But I also think, you know what, on game day, you've got the team that you've got and the really good coaches figure out a way to get it done with the team that they have. Um, and right now, Michigan's just not doing that. I think that's all you can say. Yeah, we used to talk about back in 18, like they, they, were, they had a 20-man class that ended up being rated number 22 in the country. And we used to talk back then and say, okay, well, that's not going to be good enough if you want to be in the playoff contention. If you want to be in the playoff conversation, you've got to be in that top seven, you know, top six, probably somewhere in there. And even then, you're going to have a tough... So that was the conversation back then. But what this has turned into is something different. And I hope people aren't using the same exact criteria because... <laughs> You know, when you go through it and say the 2018 class was ranked number 20, whatever, you know, 22. And then in 2019, they're able to rebound and have a top 10 class. In 2020, they're able to rebound uh, and have uh, 14. So it's not terrible, but it's not going to get you in that top level. But what that is and should be is good enough to not have something like we saw on Saturday, which is mm -hmm. that you apparently have no answers anywhere. And so this has to come back to coaching. They're not coaching it well enough or they're not organized well enough at a top-down level in terms of their plan 12 months out of the year, 365, to do this. Coaching at a high level in college football, I, I don't know. You tell me if I'm wrong, Austin, if you disagree. It's harder than it is in the NFL. This is harder. Oh, this yeah. is way harder. I it's agree, a way yeah. harder job that requires so much more out of your head coach. My God, there's so many things that that person has to be able to, to thread the needle on that, you know, a lot of times we just don't see it. I mean, is there a connection between Jim Harbaugh and every guy on this roster? Because in a lot of places, there is. Maybe not every single guy, but like deeper than this. To where you got guys out there that are going to be willing to hold the rope a little bit longer for you than just being like, well, it's 28 nothing, and we haven't completed a pass. Like, that is <laughs> insanity. I don't care how bad their, their 2018 class was. And in some ways, that's a great way to, and we've all written it, a great way to frame exactly where they're at from a talent standpoint. But tw the 22nd ranked class in 2018, that, sh that core should be good enough. To be competitive in a game like that, maybe not to beat Wisconsin on, on Saturday there, because Wisconsin's a good football program, but to not get just completely pants at home like that, that's a that's a failure of leadership at the top, top level. And that is why we say again that when this year is over, or before then and now and even right now, Ward Manuel has to do some real soul searching about what he wants to do or where he wants to go with this program. And Jim Harbaugh has to do some serious soul searching with himself about whether or not he is capable of inspiring, motivating, and pushing forward college aged players the way he was when this started, the way he was when he was at Stanford, and the way he was when he was at San Diego. Because this is not the same this is not the same. And he has to decide if he if he has that in him or if he doesn't, and he has to be objective with himself because he's not 45 anymore. He's right? I mean he's not old. He's still got, you know, a lot of time left. But if he cares about this place the way he, you know, says he does, and I believe that he does, then he has to be honest with himself about his ability to do this because his program is bigger than him. And people need to remember that. He needs to remember that. I think he does know that. I think everybody knows that. But that's something that has to be there when they guide through this. If you don't have it, if you can't do this, if you can't, 
get them to, for whatever reason, you know, and I'm not saying it's, it's even anything you blame on anything other than maybe sometimes it just happens. I don't know. But if you can't get them, get them to do that for you, to buy in for you, to, you know, hold the rope for you for four quarters and just play with, you know, like he said today, cut loose and let it go. If you can't get them to get there, then you can't be doing this. And that's the question that not only Michigan has to ask, he has to ask it of himself. And I think that that's something as you go forward with this contract situation that all parties involved need to be honest with each other about, you know, what's going on here, what needs to be done and where it's, it can't be a one person making this decision. It has to be a collaborative deal because you got to know what you're facing. You got to know what you're up against. You got to know what your answers need to be when you go forward in whatever that avenue is. And right now, I don't know if they have many of those. Yeah, that's where it's at right now. And and we heard Jim Harbaugh after the game say, basically the thing that you've been saying for a long time is we need to look at every aspect of what yep. we're doing. We need, we need to go back to square one, basically, and say, you know, what we're doing here isn't working. So what do we have to do to fix it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked to Jim Harbaugh today. He was, uh, you know, he was not going to go into any specifics whatsoever of, of what they need to change. Not going to talk specifically about players. I, you know, I asked him about the quarterback thing and you know, just not going to go there. He's not going to, yeah. he's not going to call out his players. He's not going to say, well, you know, this guy did this and this is what we got to fix. Not going to call out Don Brown. Clearly, he's just not going to go there right now publicly. But the one thing that did come through, I think that today when we talked to him, he wanted to send the message that, look, I'm still up for this. Like, this is still what I do. Like, I am not, you know, I'm not complacent. I'm not, you know, in a position in my career where, you know, I've been coaching a long time and I've been to the Super Bowl and, you know, I, I don't have the... You don't have the energy anymore to take on a challenge like this. He clearly wanted to get the message out there that, you know, this is what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else. I'm in the foxhole with these guys and I'm going to get it fixed because it's my job to do that. That was that was his message today. Uh, you know, it's the only thing he can say in this situation. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to, you know, like inspire a ton of confidence on the outside from people who feel like he's just kind of lost lost his touch here. Uh, but I think that if you get to the end of this season and we haven't seen things turn around, I think Jim Harbaugh would have to be honest with himself, yeah. as you say, and admit that you know it was his job to get this thing turned around. It didn't happen. Uh, and may, you know maybe we get to a point where Jim Harbaugh, you know as much as this place means to him as much as he mm-hmm. cares about, this program as invested as he is in this job, you know, maybe, maybe the way this ends is he gets to a point where he says, you know what, my, my message isn't getting through here. Um, yeah. I think that's, you know, that's what we have to find out over the next four or five weeks of this season, because if we get to the end and we're still saying this and it still seems like there's this disconnect, then I think we have to be honest with the fact that whatever Jim Harbaugh's message is, it, it's just not getting through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I have no doubt that he cares deeply about the program and the players, um, you know, and wants them to succeed and wants them. I mean, that's his number one promise when he's, when he, when he, you know, offers them a scholarship, I want you to come here so I can help you become the best player you can be to get you drafted and to make sure that you have success in the NFL that I was able to have because I came here and I had people who cared about me and helped me do the same thing. Right. That's the, goal that was the goal at the start that's the goal now it also happened to be they want to win championships and the latter part's not happening so I have no doubt that he wants the best for all these guys but at the same time 
he's not infallible and you can't we can't just sit here and, and say that you know there's a people did this for four and a half years probably maybe five I don't know you know made ex, uh, you call them excuses if you want call them anything else but people built up these stories about why this hadn't happened or why that hadn't happened. And by the time you looked up, you were like, you guys have a story for why a thousand things haven't happened, but you don't have a story for why anything has happened. <laughs> it's just like, at some point, that that has to be where you look. And, and I just, you know, it's got to be about, you know, does he have the ability to have a staff stay organized, keep a plan together for the whole time, and make sure everybody on the team, every player that's going to touch the field, every player that's going to touch part of that game plan when it comes into action that every one of those guys has a re as much as he reasonably can has not only confidence in what the plan is but confidence in their abilities and their preparation that when when a curveball happens they're going to be able to adjust to it because they cannot they can't adjust to anything that's what this is they have a plan for your fastball and if you're a team that throws three pitches, you're going to strike them out on four. Because the first one, they might foul off. And the next three, they're missing. Because you're not coming back with the fastball. And they're not going to have a response for anything that you have. And that's, I don't know baseball, but you know Jim Harbaugh said it once. He thought, I did, I don't, right? But like in any event, <laughs> that's how this is going to go. Because they don't have a counter to anything. They don't have the ability to hang on there. And you know, that's why we talk so much about confidence. Because confidence... And that was part of the plan when he when he first got here too. It was you know get these guys confident in their ability and their plan and get them wrapped to a point where they know what they're going to do. And that at worst, if it doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go, they're going to fight so hard that it won't matter and we'll still end up getting a net positive out of that play. And all of them added up at the end are going to be a net result of a win. And they're not doing that anymore. That's been that's not really been the case for a minute here. We've had a lot of this whistling through the graveyard confidence talk from guys talking about how this is the greatest that, or he's the best this, and blah, 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 and all this, and it's nothing more than kids talking. And it's fine. They're kids. You know, I, I, I take issue sometimes with people, and I've probably done it myself in years past, people knocking on kids for talking about how they think they're going to be good. Well, what the hell else are they supposed to say, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, right. The, it's the coach's job to get them in a situation where that's real, and that can be backed up on the field with, with tape, and it's not happening. Harbaugh said it. We saw him in January, one of the last, things, last times we saw him in person at the pandemic, before the pandemic at the Lansing thing, at the coaching convention. Mm -hmm. Your brand is your tape. Yeah. Nobody on this team right now has any tape that they could show off to anybody that would would do anything different. And that's that's coaching. That's 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 day-to-day -day making sure that everything is done the way it can be done. And, and that's, that's probably a process that would have had to start long before this year started to where there's a culture in place of accountability, of attention to detail every single day. Nobody's whining about their own situation. Nobody's whining about how they're getting screwed. Nobody's whining about how I should be playing. This guy shouldn't be playing. If you, if if Harbaugh wants to look at somebody in the face and say he doesn't have any of that going on in his team right now, he'd be lying. He would never say that. But also, he's never going to put himself in a situation where anyone's going to be able to ask him. So that's the other part of the thing that's <laughs> happening here. But that's yeah. all happening here, and it's none of it's good. And it's and it's stuff that can you reverse it? Maybe. Uh, would I bet on it? No. I, I don't know if I would say it's impossible, but. Right now, where we sit today, it just doesn't look like this is going to be able to get back to where it was. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, we'd have to see something pretty drastic, uh, like you said, also in these next couple of weeks to, to change any minds on that one. All right, folks. Well, I know it's tough out there right now. Uh, here in the state of Michigan, we're all going to be staying at home uh, for a few weeks here. It's, we've had a lot of practice with that. Uh, but... <laughs> 
Hey, hang in there. Uh, Michigan football is probably not making you feel any better today, but hopefully at least uh, hopefully you're enjoying the podcast and, uh, and the stories at The Athletic. We really appreciate uh, everybody supporting our, our work and listening to the show. Nick, I think you'll be back later this week uh, talking to Colton about the Spartans. So uh, until then, thanks everybody for checking out The Beat.